Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our top story, a protest from Beijing after Washington deported some Chinese students at the U.S. border. What's behind their ousting? Working for Ford Motor Company while serving the Chinese military. Urgent calls echo through Congress as lawmakers demand an investigation into four Chinese companies tied to Ford's EV plant in Michigan. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo testifying on China's support for U.S. foes or on the China threats that could impact everyday life in America. I actually think their primary motivation is ideological. And Hong Kong drafting a new national security law expanding on a rule imposed by Beijing in 2020 to silence dissent. What could it mean for the financial hub? Now we zoom in on the U.S.-China fight over protecting sensitive technology. Beijing lodging a protest to Washington Tuesday, saying dozens of Chinese students have been blocked from entering the U.S. over the past few months. Some were deported back to China. A most recent case was quoted in Chinese media reports. It involves a student called Li. Reports say she went to University of Maryland for her Ph.D. degree, but when arriving at Dulles International Airport, authorities interrogated her, checked her electronic devices, and questioned if she's a member of the Chinese Communist Party. Li was later deported. Some other Chinese students were also denied entry there. One case involves a postgraduate student at Yale last December, while another case is a Chinese student conducting research at the U.S. National Cancer Institute. Authorities questioned her about her research and whether it's related to the Chinese military before revoking her visa. The Chinese embassy in the U.S. warned students to be wary of entering the U.S. through Dulles International Airport. The questioning of Chinese students ties into a Trump-era policy. It bans Chinese students with military ties from getting student visas. That's due to concerns that Beijing could use them to get sensitive technology. Here's the background. Beijing has been acquiring American technologies to advance its own military. That's through hacking, acquiring U.S. firms, and also using some Chinese students, especially postgraduate students and postdoctorate researchers to collect U.S. intellectual property. So the U.S. sees those students as high risk of being co-opted by Beijing especially if they major in sensitive technologies like AI and have studied at universities with ties to the Chinese military. President Biden kept the policy in place after he took office. Case in point, in 2019, authorities charged Ye Yanqing, a former student at Boston University. The Justice Department said Ye turned out to be a lieutenant in the Chinese military and that she lied about that position on her visa application. The department also said she sent American documents back to China while studying at Boston University. Ye is believed to be in China. Ford's Michigan battery plant facing fresh allegations of being a Trojan horse for the Chinese Communist Party. Two U.S. House committees are urging the Biden administration to investigate four Chinese companies linked to Ford's plan. In a letter, the lawmaker said the four Chinese firms have direct ties to the Chinese military, Chinese Communist Party, North Korea and alleged human rights abuses in China's Xinjiang region. 
calling Ford's partnerships indefensible. The lawmakers caution about potential compromises to the plant's entire security system by Chinese malware. The committees are pushing for an immediate back blacklist of the four entities. Controversies surrounding Ford's new plant date back to day one of the plan, particularly over the carmaker's partnership with Beijing-based EV battery maker CATL. Lawmakers reveal the same Chinese company is providing engineering design services to China's military. Ford announced a significant reduction in its investment for the Michigan plant in November, scaling it back from the initially planned $3.5 billion to now $2 billion. Top-tier insights from the diplomatic and intelligence fronts as former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and ex-CIA Director Leon Panetta took the stand in a Tuesday House hearing. The focus? China's ties with U.S. adversaries. NTD's Sam Wong breaks it down. On Capitol Hill today, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, along with former CIA Director Leon Panetta, sat down with lawmakers to discuss China's alliance with U.S. adversaries. And as we watch China undertake the largest peacetime military buildup since at least World War II, and, we find, and it finds eager friends in Tehran, Moscow, and Pyongyang, we should reflect on the lessons of history. At a House CCP Select Committee hearing, lawmakers said that China is forming new axes with other world adversaries. Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Beijing has snapped up purchases of crude oil at a discount from Moscow. And the benefits go both ways. As the West sought to isolate the Kremlin through economic sanctions, Russia has redirected its exports from Europe to China. Aside from Moscow, Beijing also sources its fuel from Iran. The Middle Eastern regime's crude oil exports just top its five-year record, with China being its number one buyer. According to former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, the CCP's alliance with American adversaries isn't solely driven by economic benefits. It is Xi Jinping is driven by a Marxist-Leninist ideology. This is not an effort to improve life for the Chinese people. This is an effort for uh, aggregation of power for the Chinese Communist Party. Pompeo also reminded lawmakers about the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's hard to imagine the staggering impact that COVID had on the world, and yet no one's held Xi Jinping accountable. But for the fact that once he was aware that he had a leak from his lab of a relatively lethal, relatively contagious virus, he foisted upon the world. On the Pacific front, committee chairman Mike Gallagher told me that Washington's commitment to Taiwan is meant for deterring and preventing conflicts from escalating. That's despite Beijing seeking to take the self-governed island by force if necessary. Conventional deterrence in particular in the Indo-Pacific I think should be the top priority of uh, the entire national security and defense establishment. We have to have a global strategy because we're a global superpower. That's where we can leverage allies and partners, but that's the name of the game. I, I think we've got to continue to support them because they are critical to our security in the Pacific. Reporting from Capitol Hill, Sam Wong, NTD News. How should the U.S. handle the national security and economic risks of investing in China? The House Financial Services Committee is holding a hearing to explore just that. We must make sure that those investments do not harm the security of the United States and our allies. So while this should serve as a major warning to U.S. investors who haven't yet got the message about the risk of doing business with Chinese organizations, it should also be a reminder to Congress that we need to get this right. We've been debating around, uh, excuse me, we've been debating outbound investment screening for, uh, outbound investment screening for multiple Congresses and multiple White House administrations. 
The hearing is called Better Investment Barriers, Strengthening CCP Sanctions and Exploring Alternatives to Bureaucratic Regimes. Witnesses say the U.S. needs to protect its national security and maintain its global technology leadership amid China's ambitions. Their suggestions include better transparency around investments made in China, additional blocks on emerging technology, targeted outbound investment controls, and collaborating with allies. The witnesses named several sensitive technologies that the U.S. needs to pay attention to, including quantum computing, artificial intelligence, semiconductor development, hypersonics, and supercomputing. Is Hong Kong edging closer to resembling mainland China? A new national security law for the city is on the horizon, broadening rules covering sedition to state secrets and economic issues. How will the move impact the financial hub's autonomy and the business community? Let's take a look. Hong Kong announced plans on Tuesday for a new law that would expand its national security powers. It builds on the sweeping legislation that Beijing imposed on the city in 2020, following massive pro-democracy protests the year before. Hong Kong has been required to pass a law that prohibits acts that endanger national security, known as Article 23, since it was handed over to China in 1997. However, earlier attempts were put on hold. In 2003, an estimated half a million people protested, and the security minister then was forced to resign. Officials, including the city's leader, Chief Executive John Lee, who was sanctioned by the U.S., on Tuesday explained why they want to enact Article 23, quote, as soon as possible. Why now? We can't wait. Some legal scholars say the new legislation could sharpen the 2020 law, which is at times vaguely worded, and rework older laws dating back to the colonial era. New laws have been drafted, including one that deals with sedition and specifically mentions violent protests that endanger national sovereignty. There's also a new law against computer-based actions that harm national security. Lee also said the legislation would not call for transfer of people over the border to mainland China. He has made it a policy goal to bring the shelved Article 23 back by this year. Lee's policy focus, he announced last year, was stimulating the city's economy when the local stock market had struggled and as some families have sold flats and moved abroad. Public consultation on the legislation is set to end February 28th. The Chinese Communist Party gives national security a much broader scope than in Western countries. Anything the CCP perceives as a challenge to its regime can be deemed as such. For example, spreading information about the corruption of CCP officials, exposing human rights violations in China, and forming a political party to demand elections. Human rights activists in China are often accused of damaging national security and thrown into prison when they're fighting for their rights and the rights of others. Next, navigating the intricate web of Beijing's recent moves from lodging protests over shutout Chinese students at the U.S. border to the push for Hong Kong's new national security law. Joining us now to discuss, we have retired General Robert Spaulding. He's a national security analyst and a contributor to the Epic Times. General Spaulding, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks. Great to be back. Now, to begin, China is protesting the treatment of its students at the Dulles and other U.S. entry points. That's after dozens of Chinese valid visa holders were denied entry in recent months. What's your reaction to all of this? When I was the uh, defense attache in Beijing, we had service members who were basically transiting China to go to Japan for their duty station. And they were taken 
off the plane and harassed by uh, the Beijing authorities. So really, I have no sympathy for China or their students. I mean, they've been harassing our citizens for a long time. And quite frankly, a lot of their citizens, because of their laws on the books, are spies. Not because maybe they want to be, but because the Chinese Communist Party makes them be. So, you know, it's going to be a factor of life. If you're coming to the United States and you're a Chinese citizen, expect that you're going to be looked at differently because of the way the Chinese Communist Party acts. To your point, China is continuing to abduct foreign nationals, including Americans, and holding them under arbitrary detention. Now, on that note, U.S. firms want Hong Kong to stop talking about national security. This was a survey of two-thirds respondents saying that that would lower the tensions between the two countries and help business. Now, given the tensions we are seeing, though, is it becoming too risky to do business in China? U.S. business people or international business people operating in Hong Kong expecting that it's not going to be like mainland China are just operating under a false pretense. Hong Kong has changed. It is now communist China. And so national security is a, is a term that they use for increasing authoritarianism. So you can just expect that that's what you're going to get when you work in Hong Kong. On that note, despite the fears of the businesses, Hong Kong's leader is pushing to tighten the national security laws, saying that Hong Kong could not afford to wait. How could that impact the global financial hub? You know, the problem with China and Hong Kong is that they've been using Hong Kong as kind of a funnel or fish trap for money coming into China. It comes in because the Hong Kong dollar is freely exchangeable, then it gets sent into China. Uh, and transferred to uh, renminbi, which is not uh, fully convertible. So in my opinion, we should once uh, China fully, you know, basically brought Hong Kong back into under the communist fold, we should have never allowed the Hong Kong dollar to continue to be attached to the U.S. financial system. This is just a farce. No other country in the world are allowed to have two different currencies and they basically use it to take advantage of international investors. And quite frankly, we shouldn't allow that. General Spaulding, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Next, we'd like to take a moment to share some of your comments about our show. We recently reported on events across China where young children have been organized to vow to become so-called volunteer organ donors. A viewer by the name of Old Fogey asked about why there's a demand for organs in China, questioning whether it's motivated by money or a general decline in health. To start, money does play a role. Inside China, the wait time needed for an organ match and transplant is extremely short compared to other countries. Patients may wait mere months or even just weeks for a liver or a kidney. According to Chinese state media, a Chinese hospital only needs a couple of days to find a healthy heart for a patient. In one case, the hospital even had a second backup heart for a patient in case the first organ transplant failed. Compare that to the U.S. where over 100,000 people are currently waiting for an organ and 17 die each day while they wait. And on top of that, patients can schedule an organ transplantation ahead of time in China. In the U.S. and most other countries, a patient can only get an organ when a matching one becomes available from an organ donor after death.
Because of those factors, China boasts a large and profitable transplant tourism market, with people from outside the country going to China for organs. It's also been reported that leaders of the Chinese Communist Party will undergo transplant operations in order to live longer. Investigations by human rights groups and others have found that forced organ harvesting has been going on in China for decades. Don't forget to tell us what you think of today's show, or if you have an idea for something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. Coming up, the Taiwanese Defense Ministry showing off advanced military aircraft provided by Washington. The showcase in the face of Beijing's increasing military and surveillance threats. The GOP 2024 frontrunner says China won't enjoy the same trade status if he makes a return to the White House, plus reports of potential sky-high tariffs on China's imports. And Washington and Beijing launching talks about a crackdown on fentanyl. It's the first sign of cooperation on fighting the illegal drug trade in two years. We're on the newly formed counter-narcotics working group after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Taiwan flexing its air defense readiness Tuesday. Its troops launching Air Force drills amid pressure from across the strait. The drills highlighted the Pentagon's show of support for Taiwan. Several American E-2 Hawkeyes joined the display. The aircraft is equipped with a giant radar and able to detect danger within a whopping 400 miles around it. Plus, it's capable of making air-to-air interceptions. Also part of Taiwan's military showcase, U.S.-made missiles carried by a class of aircraft called submarine hunters. The drill kicks off as China ramps up its military pressure on Taiwan. Last Saturday, the Taiwanese Defense Ministry detected over 30 Chinese warplanes and six warships around the Taiwan Strait. Over a dozen of those planes flew over the median line of the Taiwan Strait. That line marking an unofficial divide between China and Taiwan. Some of the aircraft got as close as just 25 miles away from Taiwan's waters. On top of that, China has recently sent over 50 balloons drifting towards Taiwan. Here's how Washington responded to those reports. These are questions that the Chinese government need to answer. Uh, what, what was the purpose and, and what they were doing? Beijing sent the most balloons around the time of Taiwan's presidential election, which was held early this month. The latest between Trump and China, the Washington Post reports that the Republican frontrunner for 2024 is weighing whether to slap 60 percent tariffs on all Chinese imports if he's reelected. The penalties would fall in line with his usual strategy of pressing Beijing. During Trump's first term as president, he imposed a new 10 percent tariff on about $300 billion worth of Chinese goods in 2019. Trump said that's because Beijing failed to keep its promises of buying large amounts of U.S. agriculture products. Trump sees tariffs as a tool to handle regimes like Beijing, which he says take advantage of the U.S. Some policymakers have raised concerns that because of China's authoritarian state, Beijing could artificially adjust its currency rate. That measure would protect Chinese exports and hurt the U.S. economy at the same time. The Biden administration is launching a joint working group with China, aiming to crack down on the drug crisis. A U.S. delegation led by Deputy Homeland Security Advisor Jen Daskal went to Beijing Tuesday. President Biden sent such a significant delegation to underscore the importance of this issue to the American people. 
At the closed-door meeting, the two sides discussed methods to stamp out shipments of Chinese chemicals used to make fentanyl. The launch of the working group follows years of no assistance from Beijing. President Biden had said cooperation would resume after meeting with the Chinese regime's leader in November. At that meeting, Biden said China is telling its chemical companies to curtail precursor chemical shipments to Latin America. A lot of synthetic drugs making it into the U.S. enter from Mexico, with precursor chemicals coming largely from China. The Chinese regime said it also resumed sharing information about suspected trafficking with an international database. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow. Thank you.